Hola, so. This morning we return to Shamata without a sign. In a way, this practice is implicit in all the preceding Shamata practices. And that is, as you're practicing, for example, mindfulness of breathing, your mindfulness, of course, is directed in the early phases to the sensations of the breath. But mindfulness, as you well know by now, is not the only faculty that you're cultivating and refining. Also, introspection. If you're not doing that, you're not doing shamatha. So what is introspection monitoring? Of course, it's monitoring the, the flow of attention. Well, you can't monitor the flow of attention without being aware of awareness. You can't be meditating with a clear mind without knowing that you're meditating, that there's some awareness happening, right? So that's there. You're aware as you're practicing mindfulness of breathing, you're aware of the thoughts that are arising, whether there's dullness, whether there's strong emotions arising. You're picking that up with your introspection ability. So in other words, settling the mind in its natural state is also implicit in mindfulness of breathing. Although, of course, we're releasing those thoughts as soon as they arise. Likewise, in mindfulness of breathing now, as in mindfulness of breathing, we, we withdraw our attention from everything outside the body, from everything outside the tactile sense field, right? So from the visual, from the auditory, and so forth. So your world becomes encased within your bodily space, tactile field, right? And then, when you slip over into settling the mind, you withdraw your awareness from all of the five physical senses. Now, even though they still appear, you don't give them any attention at all. You're drawing your awareness entirely into the mental, right? So it's a, a further withdrawal now into only one sense domain. And within that domain, again, you're monitoring the flow of awareness with introspection, which means still the seed is there of awareness of awareness. Got to be. Even when there are no thoughts arising, you're still aware of the space of the mind, that sheer vacuity, the emptiness. And even there, as you're attending just to that space, there is an implicit awareness of being aware of it. And now as we slip into awareness of awareness, we withdraw the attention even from thoughts and even from the space of the mind. In other words, a complete withdrawal. Now from all appearances. That's why it's called shamatha without a sign. Because we're not interested in any signs, we're not interested in any appearances. They continue to arise, that's simply because we're not far enough, far enough along the path. We're not up in stage seven or eight or nine, right? Where they actually do completely implode, as if you're falling asleep, right? So there it is, the final kind of, the final, final point of departure is where we're not even attending to the space of the mind, the empty space of the mind, withdrawing even from that, let alone everything that preceded it. And now we just let the awareness come and roost in its own place, just resting there in its own luminosity, its own cognizance. Empty of appearances. Empty of signs. Because signs are exactly these appearances that suggest something, that indicate something. They are the contents of awareness, right? And how here awareness just comes back into its own nature without attending to any sign, to any appearance, to any object. So it's been there kind of implicit all the way along. But now, like the Russian dolls, we take off the bigger doll and they cut the little... And finally, there's this little tiny doll inside, 
right? Just the awareness of awareness, naked, with no adornment, no embellishment, no covering. Now, just awareness. That which was illuminating the whole show, that which was illuminating the sensations of the breath, illuminating the thoughts and images, illuminating even the empty space of the mind, that which was illuminating everything, well, now you just let the illumination illuminate itself. So, I've stated in the past that this practice of shamatha without a sign is equivalent to awareness of awareness. It is. I've also stated that it is equivalent to shamatha without a support and shamatha without an object. However, I've heard now from a couple of sources that there are teachers nowadays who are using this term shamatha without a sign, or excuse me, shamatha without a support, shamatha without an object, to refer to the following practice. And that is simply sit quietly, Free your mind of all distraction. Let your awareness be wide open to every kind of appearance. And just rest there in an openness, without distraction, and be simply totally present. And that's called shamatha without a support by some people. I'm not going to refute them. But I hope now it's utterly obvious that is radically dissimilar from shamatha without a sign. Now, if you want to know my source for shamatha without a sign, you don't have to look far. It's Padmasambhava. It's Tsongkhapa. It's in the Pali Canon, Vinyana Kasina. And we can find other sources as well that I didn't make this one up. The sources are back to people like the Buddha and Padmasambhava and Tsongkhapa. Okay? So you know where it's coming from. This is not an Alan Wallace gimmick. Alan Wallace is not even a voice. Alan Wallace is just a tube passing on this, these teachings. Now the notion that Shamad without a support, Mipamepa or Temepa, Shamad without an object, that that is really kind of this just open awareness with it resting in non-distraction. I've never seen any source for that, to call that shamatha. Maybe there is one, but I've never seen it anywhere. So it's clearly not even remotely equivalent or even similar to shamatha without a sign. So if we look at this practice, well, certainly this, this bears a resemblance to a lot of other things I've heard. And that is how about the modern uh, definition of mindfulness that's been embraced in psychology and that is, it goes back to John Kabat-Zinn, my very dear friend, of moment-to-moment, non-judgmental awareness of whatever comes up. Well, that sounds like shamatha without a support, right? Except for psychologists are now using this as a definition of mindfulness. It's not a Buddhist definition of mindfulness. It never has been. Some Buddhists may call that mindfulness, which is fine, but you won't find any authoritative source, and I really have checked. Not in Zen, not in Theravada, not in Mahayana, not in Mah- Nowhere is that a definition of mindfulness. It's one type of mindfulness. So it's not a Buddhist definition of mindfulness. It's a very useful one. But it seems to be equivalent to what some people are now calling shamatha without a support. It seems to be equivalent to something else called choiceless awareness. That's a term with its corresponding definition coined not by a Buddhist, but by Krishnamurti. He's not a Buddhist. He wasn't teaching Buddhist meditation. But now choiceless meditation, choiceless awareness is sometimes uh, embraced within the modern Vipassana movement and they're calling it Vipassana. It's not Vipassana. It's not even Buddhist. It's Krishnamurti. And it's not really Samatha. But a lot of people find it helpful. And then we have this phrase open presence taught by some popularized, well, it's a translation I've used as well. But as Dzogchen is becoming popularized, then Sometimes it's taught, okay, now Dzogchen is just resting in open presence. Just being in the present moment, wide open. And that's open presence. And now you're practicing Dzogchen. Well, um, that sounds an awful lot like 
bear attention, John Kabat-Zinn's definition, choiceless awareness, shamad without a support, and now open presence. They all sound exactly the same, frankly. I don't see any real difference at all. Um, so how charitable do we want to be here? And that is, is this, can this, can, be, can this be considered a shamatha practice at all? Just this resting without distraction, being wide open. I want to be charitable. And I would say, yes, this is preschool to shamatha, or kinder, if shamatha is elementary school, this is kindergarten. In the sense, does it, does it help you to relax? If we think shamatha about three qualities, relaxation, stability, vividness. If you just rest there without distraction, can that be helpful for just easing up, loosening up, stress reduction, and feeling more at ease in your body and mind? Yeah, definitely. Can that be helpful for overcoming rumination? Everybody knows that. OCDD. Yeah, definitely. Resting in the present moment, not getting caught up in thoughts, just observing whatever comes. Yeah. If you just practice that, can you achieve shamatha? Not if you practice for a million years. Number one, I've not seen any basis for it in any authoritative Buddhist text that that's shamatha at all. But even if there is one, where we would place it is exactly in that category of Padmasambhava's teachings when he says, okay, in natural liberation, he said, take a stick, a pebble, or a stone and put it in front of you and now look at it and try to focus, stay focused. That's Padmasambhava. A stick, a pebble, or a stone, a physical object. Okay, now focus on it. Now, Padmasambhava said that's shamatha. Well, I'm not going to refute Padmasambhava. If you just continue focusing on the stick, the pebble, or the stone, and that's it, you just remain there, can you achieve shamatha? Not in a million years. You've just dropped, I mean, how would you ever develop great vividness by looking at a rock? How will you ever go into the form realm by looking at something in, this, in the desire realm? Not a chance, but could this be helpful as a kind of baby step into shamatha? Well, that's exactly how he presents it. First do this, and then he gives a subtler one, and a subtler one, and a subtler one, and finally he comes to shamatha without a sign. And then he says, do this one until you settle your mind in his natural state. In other words, now we're getting real. Now we're getting to a practice you can take all the way. He never says that about looking at a stick. And likewise for mindfulness of breathing, if you're looking at the tactile sensations at the tip of your nose, and you just keep on doing that indefinitely, will you achieve shamatha? Not in a million years. Now that's why they speak of the acquired sign and the counterpart sign, and withdrawing pu- purely into the mental realm. You've dropped your anchor in the, in the desire realm. There's no way you're going to achieve shamatha if you're focusing on tactile sensations or on a stick or your awareness is just wide open to sights and sounds and tactile sensations and whatever comes up. Not in a million years. But could this type of, kind of shamatha, how it's defined, shamatha without a support, could that be helpful to get you launched? Yes. Focusing on sensations of the breath. Can it take you all the way? No. Can it get you started? Yes. Focusing on a stick or stone. Can it get you started? Yes. Take you all the way? No hope. So in that regard, this definition of Shamatha without support can be very, very helpful initial phase, right? To get you started. If you think that's it, if you think that's it, this is, this is, this is shamatha, then I think I can predict what will happen. You'll get to a point where you're feeling quite calm, quite relaxed, and then you're just going to stay there. You've just taken Valium. Valium of the mind. That is, you've gotten relaxed and calm and you're present. But are you going to be proceeding along those nine stages? About not in a million years, but you're starting. Okay. 
But if you stay there and think, this is shamatha without a support, and if I do this, I'm going to achieve shamatha, you've got a long wait. Really a long wait. And then if you think, oh, this is, this is choiceless awareness, this is the pinnacle of vipassana, you're going to become an arhat, you're going to realize emptiness, realize non-self, how about not in a million years? There's no evidence that that's vipassana. It's nowhere to be found in the Buddhist teachings. They're just sitting there with open presence, and that's vipassana. There's no inquiry, there's no view. It's not vipassana. Call it what you like, but you know, to, to look at a cat and say it's a dog doesn't make it a dog. You just use the wrong word. It's a perfectly good dog, but don't call it a cat. And likewise, if you think, oh, this is open presence, and I'm a Dzogchen practitioner. I think I'm realizing Rigpa already. <laughs> you know? No view, no conduct, no nothing, just open presence. This is Dzogchen. Oh, it was easy. Much easier than I thought. Yeah. Well, you're going to realize Rigpa? Well, shall I say for the lie, final time, not in a million years. No view. It's not... Dzogchen meditation is sustaining the view of Dzogchen. If you don't have this, the view of Dzogchen, how are you practicing Dzogchen meditation? So there's the only downside to this, is thinking that this choiceless awareness, bare attention, and so forth, that this is bona fide, full-fledged shamatha and achieve shamatha. Well, it's not. But if you think it is, then you won't go on to authentic shamatha that can take you all the way. If you think this is vipassana, or vipassana, and that this is it, this is the culmination of Buddhist insight practice, choiceless awareness, where you're not even practicing vipassana, but now you won't practice vipassana because you think you're already at the top. And then if you think, oh, this open presence, this is Dzogchen, well, it's not Dzogchen, but if you think you're already practicing the pinnacle of all the nine yanas of Tibetan Buddhism, then you'll never get around to even practicing the first one because you think you've already arrived at the culmination. And there you are, not practicing shamatha, not practicing vipassana, not practicing Dzogchen, but thinking you're already a Dzogchen practitioner. So that could be a problem. So let's practice shamatha without a sign, as Padmasambhava taught it. This can actually take you to shamatha. That would be cool. Find a comfortable position. Let's begin by very deliberately and lovingly settling the body in its natural state. Letting your awareness fill the body, relax the body, let it remain in stillness and in vigilance.
And while attending closely to the sensations of the breath, the flow of the breath, the rhythm of the breath, utterly release control over the breath. Let it settle in its natural rhythm, which may vary from one breath to the next. This time, as we settle the mind in this natural state, let your eyes be open, gently, softly open. Set your mind at ease by releasing all concerns, all thoughts about the future and the past. Your awareness come to rest in stillness, in the immediacy of the present moment. Now, for just a little while, let your awareness be open, unmoving, but open to all the senses, resting in stillness in the present moment, open to all appearances, without distraction, without being carried away by thoughts, without grasping. Settle your mind with the qualities of relaxation, stillness, and clarity.
Now let your gaze be vacant. Withdraw your interest, your attention away from the visual field and from all five sensory fields. Focus your attention single-pointedly, as well as you can, on the space of the mind and its contents. Settle your mind in its natural state. Now attend solely to the background, the space of the mind. Not much there but a little bit more than nothing, a vacuity, three-dimensional, colorless, no form, no shape, no center or periphery, empty, and yet illuminated by your own awareness. And now withdraw your interest, withdraw your attention even away from this one final sign, this one final appearance to the mind, namely the space of the mind. And now rest in a knowing that you knew all along, the knowing of being conscious. 
and knowing that would be there even in the total absence of appearances and an absence of the activities, the comings and goings of your mind. This awareness is luminous, for it makes manifest all appearances and experiences. It is cognizant, for consciousness is that which knows. It is empty of appearances to the mind, objects of the mind, as something coming from outside. And when you look for consciousness as an agent, a noun, nowhere to be found. Rest in the knowing of this luminous, cognizant, empty awareness. Now, following the instructions of Padmasambhava, begin the oscillation, either setting your own rhythm, your own pace of inversion and release, or as a preliminary practice, if you find it helpful. As you continue to let the breath flow without regulation, in its own natural rhythm, you may conjoin the oscillation with the in and outflow of the breath.
as you arouse, focus, concentrate your awareness inwardly, withdrawing from all appearances. Be vividly aware, present, attentive to this sheer luminosity and the cognizance of awareness itself. As you release your awareness into space, release your awareness into non-objectivity, into the emptiness of appearances, including thoughts, release into emptiness, invert into luminosity.
and release the oscillation. Release the effort. And let your awareness come to subtle, come to rest in its own place, neither going out nor in. In stillness, knowing its own nature. between sessions you can try to maintain an ongoing flow of the luminosity of all appearances the luminosity of your own awareness the emptiness of all appearances the emptiness of your own awareness keep it simple (laughs) enjoy your day